0: A bunch of times in the Old Testament the name Jehovah is combined with another word, making like a super name, a more specific name for God. For example, in Genesis 22, after promises, a quarter of a century waiting, a stepson for his wife, Abraham finally had the promised child, Isaac. He must have watched that kid fall asleep every night. But then God said to him, "Uh, take Isaac and sacrifice him to me. Abraham went to do so. Isaac's on the way up the mountain with his dad. He's like, uh, dad, where is the sacrifice? And then in Genesis 22, Abraham says, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. Jehovah Jireh. A few verses later, with his son strapped down on some wood and his hand holding a knife in the air, Abraham hears his own name called. It was just a test. Whew. And there was a ram caught in a bush. So they sacrificed the ram. The Lord did provide. The place was called Mount Moriah. Abraham named it. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. This place is a massive deal, by the way. It's the place where Solomon built the temple. It's the place where Ezra and Haggai rebuilt the temple. It's the place where Jesus turned over the tables of the money changers. It's the place where Jesus was condemned to die That must be the most prophetic naming of a place ever. Abraham calls it Jehovah-Jireh, and then centuries later, God did provide not just a ram to keep Abraham from sacrificing his son, but God sacrificed his own son for the sins of the entire world. Jehovah-Jireh. God will provide. God did provide. God does provide. We used to sing a song in kid's church. I won't sing it on the lyrics. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. What if you believed that about God? What if when you need something, you prayed to Jehovah Jireh and believed that he was both Abraham and Earth's provider of a sacrifice? Through God's names, we learn more about God. My hope, though, is that it won't stop there, that you wouldn't just know more about God, but that you would truly know God.
1: Good morning. How's everybody doing? There we go. All right. There's one in every crowd. This one just happens to be the mayor of the city of Fort Morgan. (laughs) Oh, I am so glad to be with you here once again uh, this morning. Um, Pastor Drake's allowing me for the third week in a row to come and present the message. and it is absolutely my blessing and pleasure to do so. So, thank you again, Rick. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, let's open up in prayer. Jehovah Jireh, you are a God of both miraculous and daily provision. Just as you've provided in the past, you will also provide for today and tomorrow. I hand you my worry as I wonder how my needs will be met. Remind me of how you provided in the past. Please forgive me of the sin of self-reliance when I should be depending on you. We give this time to you and ask for your blessing upon the words that I speak this morning. May they be your words delivered from my mouth as led by your Holy Spirit. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And everyone says, Amen. Hallelujah. As we begin, I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, we will have it up on the screen for you. But um, we're going to be looking at the first 14 verses of Genesis chapter 22 together here this morning. So as you're turning there and preparing Let's let's review where we've been in preparation for the journey ahead. If you remember last week, uh, we began this year long journey into knowing and understanding the names of God that He reveals to us throughout Scripture. Each of these names holds significance and importance, and it helps us to more fully understand. Who God is and how he works in each one of our lives individually. And last week we learned about what I called the proper name of God, Yahweh. And that means the great I am. If you haven't, if you didn't hear that message, I would encourage you to go back on YouTube, on our YouTube channel and watch it or, um, go to our Facebook page. There's links there for the audio version and such just to get the background, the, the foundation. We also explored how too often we try to be our own I am, and we take God's place as Lord of our own lives. But where God is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital B, when we take that place, all of those letters become lowercase. And the problem is that we tend to mess it up. It becomes a miserable failure. And then we blame God. Well, this week, we're going to explore another name that God has revealed to us. So let's look at the passage in Genesis chapter 22. And again, if you don't have a Bible with you, it will be on the screen. All right, Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. I'm going to stop there for a moment. I want to point something out. It's a question that you may have, you may have thought of, maybe not, but. You might remember that Abraham had another son, Ishmael. Okay? With that being the case, then why does God say here, take your son, your only son? Well, in God's perfect plan, Isaac is the son of promise. The one that God had told Abraham and Sarah that he would give them and would bless the world through. But because we try to control things, we get impatient with God, we decide he must have forgotten his promise, and so uh, we're going to kickstart it and do it our way so that then have God come in and bless what we've done. And that's what happened. Sarah took matters into her own hands. Abraham's wife, Sarah she gave her handmaiden to Abraham and said, go in and sleep with her, and to that union was born Ishmael. That was Sarah's plan, not God's plan. Therefore, Ishmael doesn't factor into God's plan. Now, he does still make provision for Ishmael. He takes care of it. God does. But, Isaac is truly the only son, the one through whom God's promise would be fulfilled. Does that make sense? All right, so let's continue on. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac Isaac, son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now here's our core verse for the week. Verse 14. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. What a great story. One that's caused a lot of confusion over the years, for sure. If you don't have an understanding, a little bit of a background, if you haven't taken some time to ask questions or do study, boy, it sure looks like God's a pretty mean guy. Or at the very least, Abraham is, right? He's going to kill his own son. But when you stop and dive just a little bit deeper, you see the purpose. I want to talk about Isaac for a moment. He's in an interesting situation. At the time this was happening, it's believed that Isaac would have been a teenager and probably more than able to defend himself against his father Abraham, who was over 100 years old at this time. But he didn't. Of course he had questions. We all would. But through it all, Isaac displayed unwavering faith and trust, not only in his earthly father, Abraham, but even more so in his heavenly father, Yahweh. He heeded and followed the commands that he was given. That's a tremendous example for us. We need to remember that and to follow that in our own lives. We may not know the answer. We we don't need to know the answer, but we know the one who has the answer, and we trust him. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the KISS method of doing things. Keep it simple, silly. You may use a different word. Here. That's okay. It means the same. Either way, the meaning is the same, whether you say silly or the other S word stupid. What? Did I say? It reminds us not to overcomplicate things. Keep it simple. That's true with our faith as well. God wants us to come to Him in simple faith and He will provide what we need. And to be sure you heard what I just said, what we need, not necessarily what we want. Sometimes God does give us what we want. He loves to do that, just like any parent loves to lavish gifts upon his children or grandchildren. But God will, he promised, give us what we need. Learning his ways and trusting him always, and I put that in capital letters in my notes, always works out for our good. Now, last week I introduced the name Yahweh, which means I am. Today I want to give you another name of God in the Bible. We saw it earlier in the video. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. Now, Jehovah is the, let's call it, Latinized Roman version of the name Yahweh. Okay. So when you see Jehovah, think Yahweh. Jira means provider. So when you look at Jehovah Jireh, what you're seeing is, I am provider. God says, I am provider. And that's the title of our message here. This day, I am provider. Let's go back to the story of Abraham and Isaac that we just read from Genesis 22 and dive more into the meaning behind that name. For God. So just to reiterate, the story begins with this strange command from God to Abraham, instructing him to offer his son of promise, Isaac, as a burnt offering. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Uh, you want me to do what? I just want to make sure I heard you correct. Early the next morning, Abraham packs wood and a knife. And he and Isaac traveled to Mount Moriah, the place God had specified. I want you to catch this. Notice that Abraham acted immediately upon the call of God. He didn't wait. He didn't rationalize. He didn't go, well, let me finish this project over here and then then I'll... God gave him the message the next morning, it tells us. He packed everything up, including his son, and headed out. In faith, he acts immediately upon the command of God. How often are we more like what we saw from Moses last week in the message? Remember that? We try to rationalize with God uh, why his plan is, well, wrong. Or it's a bad plan. Or, God, I'm not sure you're thinking correctly here. Or, Or we barter with God, explaining to him how, Somehow he made a mistake by giving me the task. I'm not the right person, God. I'm not the right one, like Moses did. He said, "Surely there's somebody else that could do this better than me." You know, God, you really should use someone more qualified than I am. Let me give you a a secret here. God generally doesn't call. The qualified, but he does qualify the call. Did you catch that? God generally doesn't call the qualified, but he does qualify the called. If he calls you, guess what? He will give you what you need. I am what? Provider. Abraham was called. And he simply trusted God to work it all together for good. He believed and he put action to that belief, which equals faith. If you've been here for more than a minute, you've heard that before. Faith is belief plus action. Not just belief. Even the demons believe. Did you realize that? We've talked about that before too. Even the demons believe in Jesus Christ. They know who he is. They hate him. But they certainly don't act on his word. Belief plus action, as it tells us in James, equals faith. All right, continuing with the story from chapter 22. As Abraham and Isaac draw near to the site, Isaac questions Abraham concerning the offering. Where's the lamb? <laughs> and with great faith and foresight, Abraham responds God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. We're not going to turn there, but in Hebrews chapter 11, I think it's verse 19. Uh, it tells us that Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Complete faith. Upon reaching the place God had chosen, Abraham demonstrates his faith and obedience by building an altar, tying up Isaac, and placing him on the wood. But before Abraham can finish the offering, the angel of the Lord calls out to him from heaven, and Isaac's life is spared. End of movie. Roll the credits. Abraham looks up and sees a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. He goes over, he takes the ram, sacrifices it in the place of his son Isaac as a burnt offering. Abraham then names the place Jehovah-Jireh because of God's gracious provision of a substitute sacrifice for Isaac. And immediately afterward, God reconfirms his covenant with Abraham to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky or as the sand, the grains of sand on the beach. Now, this account of Abraham on Mount Moriah is more than uh, a, uh, a dramatic illustration of faith and obedience, though. It's a presentation of the Lord's eternal grace, His continual provision, and His all-encompassing wisdom. Jehovah-Jireh does not mean the Lord did provide. It means the Lord will provide. Another way we could say it is, the Lord will continue providing. You see, uh, He's provided in the past. He's providing now. He'll provide in the future. In other words, the name does not simply memorialize a past event. It anticipates future action as well. And likewise, the statement on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided in verse 14 refers to more than just this particular moment in time on Mount Moriah. It also refers, as you saw in the video, to Calvary, where Jesus, uh, where it says God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. The Apostle Paul gives us that in Romans. Abraham's faith-filled statement that God Himself will provide the Lamb also reminds us of John the Baptist's exclamation in the Gospel of John, chapter one: "Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the book. So Jehovah Jireh provided a sacrifice to save Isaac. And that was a foreshadowing of the provision of his own son for the salvation of the world. So not only did God provide a sacrifice in the place of Isaac, he's provided a sacrifice for the new Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. His only son. Wow, two stories start to come together, don't they? And just like Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah, God sacrificed His son on the same mountain. Don't tell them. So rather than being attached to and putting our trust In material things, in cultural beliefs, in family traditions, things like that. Keep it simple. Put your faith and trust in Jehovah Jireh. And by doing so and uh, committing to studying his ways and putting those into practice in your own life, you'll truly produce goodness. For those around you to experience for themselves. I want to talk about that for a minute. Goodness, one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter five. It's um, in verses 22 and 23 in Galatians chapter five. The apostle Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about it. we talked about it last week. Fruit in this context means beneficial results. Benefiting others. The good things that come from the Spirit's indwelling of us. As the Holy Spirit works in our lives, our character changes. Where we had harbored selfishness and cruelty and rebellion and spite, we now instead begin to possess love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And everything in that list reflects the character of God, including His goodness. Goodness results then in a life characterized by deeds, motivated by righteousness, and a desire to be a blessing to others. It's a moral characteristic, a character trait of a spirit-filled person. The, um, the Greek word translated goodness, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce this word because, uh, it's all Greek. And, and I don't speak Greek. The, uh, word in the Greek translated goodness is defined as uprightness of heart and life. It's goodness for the benefit of others, not goodness for the sake of looking good or Uh, look how virtuous I am. No, it's for the benefit of others. So someone producing the fruit of goodness will selflessly act on behalf of others. For example, did you realize that confronting someone about a sin demonstrates goodness? Or um, how about giving to the poor? That demonstrates. Um, how about providing for your own children? That demonstrates. Or visiting the sick, or volunteering to clean up after some disaster or whatever the case may be. Even praying for an enemy. That's goodness. Expressions of goodness are as varied as the Holy Spirit is created. They'll come out in so many different ways. Keep in mind, though, that goodness is not a quality that we manufacture on our own. James 1.17, let's look at that one. It says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing given, every perfect gift is from where? From God. I am provider. I will provide everything you need for goodness to be a part of your life. This certainly includes a life characterized in goodness. In letting the Holy Spirit control us, we're then blessed with the fruit of goodness. And as others see and experience our good works, they'll praise our Father in heaven. He provides to and through us to others, who then can provide for still others. It's uh, I, I, I say this with all uh, respect, and it's the old Amway thing. You talk to two, and they talk to two, and they talk to two, and they... Hey, guess what? It works. That's why Amway is so successful. It works. It becomes a cycle of goodness where all are blessed and benefit from the provisions of Jehovah Jireh. So with that thought in mind, that was the introduction. Now we're going to get into the. Meat of the meat. No, I'm kidding. We're actually done. I hope you understand. Our biggest enemy is ourselves. We stand in our own way. We put up our own hurdles. We try to make it too difficult. Keep it simple. Simple faith. God says it. I believe it. I do it. And God will provide. Whatever we need. John, you don't understand. That's, That's not my calling. Really? If you asked Abraham, Abraham is killing your son and burning his body, your calling? I think he would have probably said, no, I don't think so. But I got a call. There's a difference. So don't be afraid to step out in faith on behalf of Jehovah Jireh. He will provide what you need. I'm going to use, I use it all the time, the nursery, for example. So often, all the time, people say, well, I know there's a big need for the nursery, for people to take the nursery. But that's not really where I'm comfortable and uh, that's not really where my calling is. Do you not think God will provide you what you need if you say yes to that call? He will. And maybe part of that need is, I'm calling you to the nursery, but I'm only calling you for this period of time. And then I'll release you from it. Or you may find out, and I'm just using that as an example, that you get in there and you find out, oh, that was my calling all along. I just didn't know it. Whatever it is, don't be afraid. Just believe, going back a couple of weeks. Believe in the great I am, Yahweh, who is Jireh Provider. It all builds. Let's go back to our core verse. We're going to end Genesis 22:14. 14. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. On the mountain of the Lord, he said. Oh, on, on, and to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Catch that. On the mountain of who? Not the mountain of me. Not my mountain. His mountain. It will be provided. i got to get off my mountain. Get on His mountain. He will provide. I challenge you today. Keep it simple. Spend time studying the meaning of this name of God. Jehovah Jireh. I am provided. Let's pray. Father God, I want nothing more in my life than to please you. I want to honor you and bring glory to your name, not mine. Sometimes I may not know exactly how to do that, so I also pray for wisdom, your wisdom coming down from heaven. I know that Genuine respect for you is the beginning of wisdom, so teach me humility as I pray. Help me remember that you are the great I am and I am not. I know that proper fear of you, reverence in the presence of your greatness and awareness that you're evaluating my life will motivate me to desire wisdom as a strong foundation for trusting and obeying. Father, I uh, I ask you to give me knowledge of your holiness and help me consider what you're doing in our world and through my life that I may join you in it and not expect you to join me in my little world. I know you're absolutely sovereign and I cannot claim to be wise if I try to dodge your plans. So help me to view life from your perspective always keeping an eye toward eternity. And as you show me your majesty and power, please, please, grant me wisdom so I can better magnify your name and live in the provision of your goodness, which I then can generously share with others. And I pray all of this in the precious and the holy name Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, amen.